Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in, Red Sox Beat here on CLNS Media. If you're surprised that it's not Jared's voice, you're right, it's not. This is Jess Thomas alongside Lauren Campbell. Jared is not here this week. We're going with our fearless leader, our man himself. But we're going to do it here just fine on an Easter special of Red Sox Beat. Three games into the season as of record time. So we'll talk about the first three games, a 2 and one start for the Red Sox. You can follow us on Twitter, our Red Sox coverage as a whole, at Red Sox CLNS. You can check out the CLNS Twitter, at CLNS Media, and obviously the new website, which is excellent. You can find all our all of our articles and podcasts and everything there at CLNSmedia.com. You can check us out on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, we're all there. This is uh, episode 175, so we're, we're getting somewhere with this show. Um... But it's pretty exciting. Easter's here, and uh, regular season baseball's here, even though we're just in April now. Lauren, what's up? What's up? It's been a been an interesting week for Red Sox. Well, really not. It's been a good week, interesting for the first game, but it's been a uh, it's been a wild week for Boston sports. I know. Big day on uh, on Saturday. Three wins: Bruins, Red Sox, and Celtics, and the Revolution. If anybody cares about that. Uh-huh. Uh, but we're here to talk about Red Sox, uh, and now I think you saying interesting week actually is true because there's some fascinating stats that came out of these first three games. Uh, we'll start with the first game, which was the tough one. Uh, the Sox led four to nothing going to the eighth inning, and the bullpen bullpen imploded, gave up six runs in the inning, and the Sox lost six to four. Um, I guess we'll start with the managerial decisions because that's what everyone likes to talk about, so we'll hit the top, the, the uh, hot-button topic here. Uh, Alex Cora did not bring in Craig Kimbrell, um, and he started the inning with Joe Kelly and then went to Carson Smith. Uh, your thoughts on how he picked his guys, and do you agree with what he did? Give me your thoughts. Um, well, it's one game, so I kind of like going and seeing how everyone reacts. And people were acting like it was the end of the world, that he didn't go to Kimbrel. And he came out after the game and said he had a plan, he was sticking to it, and he wasn't going to put uh, Kimbrel in a situation where he wasn't part of that plan. And I think he said he wasn't going to put Planer in that either. I wasn't, I'm pretty sure it was him. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it's it's one game. And I'm not going to judge Cora off one game where he doesn't bring in the closer. If he's not part of the plan, he's not part of the plan. And... 
I mean, I can see the frustration. I, obviously, I was frustrated. And should have, should Kimberly have been in a situation like that? Probably. But, it, I mean, we're 2-1. and one. So, like I said, it's one game. It sucks to, that the bullpen blew opening day. Like, of all games to just throw away, it can't be opening day. But I have no issue with it, mainly because of how the rest of the season has gone in the last 72 hours. But, <laughs> nah, I, my faith is in Cora. And obviously more will happen before uh, before our show is released here, before the uh, the Sunday game, but that's okay. Um, yeah, I, I was fine with it because, you know, he brought Matt Barnes in for the seventh. He went one, two, three. And then Joe Kelly in for the eighth. I mean, I'm okay with it because Joe Kelly had given us no reason to believe that he wouldn't pitch well. I mean, it's, it's the first game. Nobody's pitched yet. You know, he had a fun spring training being Jim Buchanan, and he seemed to look pretty good. So there was no really reason to believe he would walk three guys and just blow the game completely. I, so I, I was fine with it. I think it would be weird to bring Kimbrell in the eighth inning in the first game, especially going into the inning with a four-run lead. It's not even a safe situation at that point. I know it was once you know runs were given up, but I was fine with it. I think the thing that I found most strange about this game was uh, Chris Sale not getting one more inning, but as we'll get into here, clearly he's more into getting guys rest and keeping them fresh than having them go deep into games, because it's happened all three times. So, um, the second game of the season, Sox won one nothing. David Price pitched seven scoreless innings, six scoreless innings. Was it six or seven? Uh, seven. Now, now I'm questioning myself. No, it was six. It was six, right? Yeah. Yeah. Nope, it was seven. It was seven. Ah. Sale, sale was six, price was seven. Yeah, so he only pitched he pitched seven innings, only threw 76 pitches, then came out, and then the bullpen shut the door. And then on uh, on Saturday, the Sox won three to two. Rick Porcello went five and a third innings, and he only threw um, in, the, in the 80s as well, so... Not many pitches for the starters. Uh, the bullpen pitched well in the second two games. Before we before we get to more things like that, I, I want to start with the starters because I got their numbers here. Through three games, the starters threw 18 and a third innings, gave up 11 hits, one run, no home runs, four walks, and 18 strikeouts. Three of those four walks were sale. And it's the first, it's the, uh, first time the Sox have started the season with 18 scoreless innings from their starters. Um since 1940 between the three guys. So <laughs> talk to me about that, because I know some people were worried about the starters. They weren't necessarily worried about sale and price, and they were the first two of this, but I think we're exceeding expectations big time here. Oh, absolutely. And, I, I mean, I think we got what we expected from Chris Sale, but David Price and Porcello, I think there were a lot of eyes on them because of last season, and, of course, you know, David Price's meltdown and Porcello not pitching like the Cy Young pitcher he was the year before that. So definitely a lot of eyes were on those two. And Price was fabulous, absolutely fabulous. Like, he could have gone the whole game. He only pitched 76 pitches, 77 pitches. Unbelievable. So he could have gone the entire game. But I'm fine with, you know, giving him the rest and not, especially with his elbow. And Porcello today, fantastic. And... I think Cora took him out at the perfect time because he started to struggle, and it's not Farrell leaving them in for too long or, like, a 
batter too long in the inning too long. Core is out there, and he's like, all right, you're out. Like, time to go, time to save this game. So starting pitching has been tremendous. And, I mean, starters went through three. So we'll see how Johnson and Velasquez do. It'll be absolutely very interesting to see if they can kind of round out this rotation because those two spots have been the biggest question marks. But, man, not not – not what I expected in a good way from from Price, anyway. Do you chalk these three starts up to the Rays not having good offense, or do you think these guys would do it either way? No, I think they'd do it either way. We've, we've seen Chris Sale do it against really good teams. We've seen Price pitch well against good teams. We've seen these guys pitch really well against really good teams. So, I mean, chalk it up to what you will. The Rays aren't the best team out there, but I've always felt like, the Red Sox and just kind of like Boston teams in general, they just, they lose to crappy teams, like not the best teams out there from right. time to time. And I mean, I feel like they, they struggle against the Rays quite a bit sometimes, but it's just, it when you're playing a team in your division, it, I don't care if it's the first game, I don't care if it's the, the 130th game, everyone counts. Oh yeah, totally. And to get two out of the first three is, is obviously great. And I think with, with Price, I mean, he was so sharp, he would have done that against anybody. So, yeah, I, I'm more willing to shock it up to they just pitch really well as opposed to being against a crappy team. So more into the starters here, um, since we did talk about the pitch counts here a little bit, uh, are you okay with these guys coming out so early, or would you rather save the bullpen and have them be fresher and have the starters go deeper? Because, like, do you, how much do you trust the bullpen, I guess, is really what it comes down to, because, you know, if they're coming out earlier because of pitch count, then that's who you're relying on at that point. I mean, for now, I'm okay with it. I um, Price, I'm still a little, like, I question a little bit just because he had – his pitch count was so low. But I don't mind it because I don't want these players to get fatigued in the middle of the year, towards the end of the year. Um, in the bullpen, I mean, the last two games, yeah, I, I do trust them. I trust – obviously, how can you not trust Kimbrell after what he's shown in the last two games – Carson Smith looks fine. Obviously, Joe Kelly, um, he, but he's going to have his up and ups and downs regardless of what he does, whether he comes in the sixth, whether he comes in the eighth. So, bullpen, yeah, I, I think we had a lot of questions around them going into the season anyway. So, for the most part, I trust the bullpen like 80 to 85% of the time, which I don't think is really that bad, but... For now, I'm okay with it. I don't want these players to get fatigued at any point, especially Chris Sale throws so hard. David Price has a janky elbow. You just you want to keep these guys fresh. Yeah, it's really interesting because, you know, you would think beginning of the season, they're fresh. Pitch them as long as you want. But then, as we see, they get tired at the end of the year. So, Cora's taking the opposite approach of we'll pitch them like the end of the year at the beginning of the year, and maybe it'll be the opposite. So if that actually comes true and they're all fresh at the end of the year because they're not pitching as much, then that's great. And I'm curious to see if he continues this and how long he continues this if he does. But, yeah, I, I mean, I was shocked when David Price came out. I thought for sure he was throwing a complete game. I said it in our group message. I said he's going a complete game. He was at 66 pitches through six innings. I was like, there's no way he's not getting a complete game. And then he gets taken out for six, 76 pitches. I was like, are you kidding me? Ended up working out, thankfully, but I was shocked. I could not believe that. 
So, I mean, the, the bullpen came in and they did their job. I mean, going into the third game, halfway through it, the pitchers had only given up runs in one inning. Just the eighth inning of the first game where they gave up six runs. None of the other eight innings. Obviously, they got a shutout in the second game, and they had a shutout for the, through the first half of the third game. So through two and a half games, they'd only given up runs in one inning. So, I mean, clearly, the pitching, starters and bullpen, minus that eighth inning, has been the complete story because these have all been close games. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And watching the game today, I was like, oh, no, like Rick Porcello isn't going to get his run support, but that, that turned around pretty quick. So Yeah, just enough. <laughs> just enough, which is fine. I don't care who win by one. I don't care who win by ten when Rick Porcello is on the mound. I just want to win. And but he stayed in just long enough to get a win. <laughs> just long enough. Yeah, he um, – but he looked good. The pitching yeah. the pitching's looked really good. It's the offense. Kind of like last year, the offense just can't seem to come together right now. I don't want to say come together, but because there's people in that lineup that are just doing just fine. Xander Bogart's one of them. But <laughs> it's it's eh, it's a long season, thank God, because I'm glad it's not like an 80-game season. I like the – Almost 200 games per season. I love it. Right. Lots of sample size. Not much yet, but we'll have a lot as time goes on. So let's get into the offense. We've exhausted the pitching here, uh, and it's been great, and I'm really excited about that. So let's get into the offense. Um, <laughs> crazy stats. I mean, with the the pitching going 18 scoreless innings, and now Xander Bogarts is 8 for 12 with five doubles, one home run, and four runs. He's the first Red Sox player in Red Sox history to have two extra base hits in each of the first three games. So if you think about it, it doesn't happen much because guys are usually kind of settling in and figuring out, you know, get a hit here, get a hit there. He's been destroying it. He's hitting 667. He's only the second player ever in history, period history, all history, to get the two extra base hits in the first three games. Adrian Gonzalez, of all people, was the other one in 2015 for the Dodgers. So he's been hitting out of his mind. He was probably one of the most criticized players coming into the year based on what he did last year. And as Tim Neverett told us um, when we had him on recently, he said he wasn't healthy after he got hit in the hand last year, and he kept playing, and he didn't play well. So is this guy this good when healthy? Yeah. It's, like it's, it's weird. It's like, you know, when he's at 100% health, he's he's good. He's good at what he's supposed to be good at so I, I, I don't think he was expected to be this good but he's off to a hot start and that's what we needed because you know the infield was unsure with Pejoria being out and Hanley and Moreland at at first and then everyone else at third base it seems like so it's just it's refreshing to see him play so well after such you know a coaching change and a crappy end of the, the postseason and after he got hit in the hand last year, we saw he just wasn't the same player. And we talked about that last year on the show, that something was different and maybe it was his hand. And you, know, you get hit in the hand and it affects everything. You know, the way you hold your bat, the way you feel, the way you throw. And if it was bothering him, it's going to affect everything he does, even if it hurts a little bit, even if it hurts a lot. So whatever he did in the off season, whether it was just rest, rehab, any kind of, you know, hand exercises that he could do it obviously worked because he's just he looks phenomenal and he just he can't stop hitting the ball I don't want him to stop 
I know. It's unbelievable. Five doubles in three games. And it's what he it's what he did when he came into the league. Just ripping ripping line drives down you know, down the left field corner. And then his home run also <laughs> was to left field as well, deep. So it's great to see because it's just what he what what he prides himself on, and it's it's awesome. So he's been the man. He's basically won these games because he's literally done everything for the most part. In addition to Eduardo Nunez and his inside the park home run, how was that for an exciting beginning to the season? <laughs> man, was that fun? Because it's the last thing you expected. And I was I was watching the game at work, and it was just I'm like, oh, I'm like they they kind of the two raised outfielders, I'm like, nah, kind of collided. And I was like, oh, my God, he, like, Nunez is not stopping. And my office was just like, yeah. And it, was just, it was just really, like, a cool moment for Nunez because after a slide, and I think he hugged Bogarts right after. And he picked him up. Like, what a way to start the season. And I was nervous, like, his knee and his head first <laughs> slide where I was like, oh, Jesus. But, oh it, was, oh, it was fantastic. Like, what a what a way to start the season and what a way to just kind of be like, like, I'm still here, so just kind of like making his mark already in the in the lineup. Yeah, he flew around the bases. I'm sorry, I did not expect that to be an inside the park home run. 16 you know, seconds. The ball got past the outfielders, obviously, but like he was motoring, which is awesome. And you'd think that would have been a spark for the offense, so it's kind of funny that they haven't really scored many runs after that. But, I mean, it that was an exciting moment. You don't see inside the park home runs very often, so... That was a fun no. little start. Um, and they got they had two in consecutive inside the park home runs because uh, right. Devers hit one last season, so that, that was kind of like two consecutive games. In the, right in the last playoff game, right? Yep. So yep. that was that was kind of a cool stat, but I was like, ah, I love this team already. And in another cool stat, that was the first Red Sox inside the park home run in the first game of the season since Yaz did it in 1968. So <laughs> long time. 50 years since that, so that was a cool stat, too. I'm going to get a little deeper into the lineup, but first, um, I've got to tell you about Draft. If you love fantasy baseball, you need to try out my new favorite app, Draft, which sponsors our show here. It's daily fantasy baseball, but it's not like the other daily fantasy baseball guys. On Draft, you play live snake drafts with other people, just like in your season-long league. The drafts last for just one night. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. You just set your lineup and then let the day happen. The best part, you can play for cold, hard cash and get paid out the next day. Drafts start from just $1, so there's a draft for everyone. I did my first draft.com draft today, and uh, it was cool. I just I just picked my team. The draft took about three minutes. There were six, six players in my league, and then you pick five players. Pick a pitcher, two, first, uh, two infielders, and two outfielders. And then your team just goes to work, and I actually won. I won ten dollars on a, a league I only had to pay three for. So it's really fun. I guess the interesting thing with the Lauren is just like you just draft the players. It's super quick because there's so few managers in the, in your league, and then you just hope that your five guys do well, and then you can get paid. And it's it's cool because nobody. The difference is nobody has the same guys, unlike all the other daily fantasy. Right, like how fun is that? Where it's like, you pick your team and the players you have, no one else is gonna have. So it's not like you sit there and you're like, five other people have Giancarlo Stanton or JD Martinez. So I think it gives you a better shot at winning. You know, you won, you won tonight. So like, how cool is that? Yeah. So I uh, go for it. I just just like the idea of not everyone having the same player because it kind of takes away from the whole 
draft experience the whole the whole fun of it. Right, you're like, oh, I drafted that guy. Oh, so did 400 other people. Yep. <laughs> <You're> like, oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I drafted uh, Hugh Darvish, Carlos Correa, Brian Dozier, Mike Trout, and A.J. Pollock. And Correa got me 30 points, and Mike Trout got me 27. And at one point wow. throughout the day, the two of them had more points than any of the other five teams I was playing against com- combined. So they did awesome, and uh, I won that, won that. So it was fun. It made me feel smart. I was drafting the right guys. So if you want to have fun and draft the right guys, join me on Draft Today. Just search Draft in your app store or play right from your computer on Draft.com. And for a limited time only, all Red Sox beat listeners get a free entry into a real money baseball draft when you make your first deposit. You have to use my pro- promo code REDSOXBEAT. That's right. Play a real money game for free just using my promo code REDSOXBEAT when you make your first deposit. Search Draft in your app store, go to Draft.com, enter the promo code REDSOXBEAT. Highly recommended. A lot of fun. Let's get back to the offense here. Um for just a little longer before we go to some some news around the league. Um, I don't know what you think. They had the same lineup for the first two days, and they switched it up uh, for the third game of the season. They took Jackie Bradley Jr. out. He didn't play. Andrew Benintendi went to center, and J.D. Martinez played left instead of DHing, and then uh, Mitch Moreland got to come in and play as well. I don't know what you think. I like this lineup better. Jackie Bradley Jr. is 0 for 7. Not saying he'll do that forever, but he's never been a good hitter. I like the lineup better having JD in the outfield, having Moreland actually be able to hit, and not having Jackie in the game. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I mean, I don't. We know what we're going to get with Jackie Bradley Jr. We're either going to get like a 30 game hit streak or nothing at all. There's really no in between with him. Um, I don't hate it. Because he, he's not Corey's not like screwing around with the lineup the way Farrell would. Um, but it's been it's been interesting to see how the lineup has been going. Obviously, you know Mookie Betts is doing fine. Jackie Bradley Jr. is Jackie Bradley Jr. But I'm really surprised with Benintendi and mm. how he's struggling. Oh, right for eleven. Yeah, and I mean it, today he's had close calls. Anywhere else he would have had hits and home runs and doubles. Um, but he's just. He's got to be frustrated because he comes into the season, obviously, there's a lot of hype around him. You know, number one prospect in the, in baseball, and we we have him. Last year, he should have would have won MVP if it wasn't for Aaron Judge. But it was just, it's really, it's interesting. It's weird to see Andrew Benintendi without a hit right now. Um, Jackie Bradley Jr., not so much. J.D. Martinez. I, oh, he, I got, like he got two, which is nice. He did, but yeah. I like that he's been, uh, what's the word, versatile, or like kind of accepting that he's going to play in the outfield. He's not always going to be PH because that was the whole offseason thing. But I, I like it. I like it's obviously working for the most part, and I don't think there needs to be any drastic changes right now anyway, but I, I'm, I'm really liking it. Yeah, I like switching it up pretty frequently. It seems like Cora's going to do that, so I think that's a good thing. Uh, yeah, J.D., Mookie, and Benintendi, they're not hitting much. J.D. and Mookie have two hits through three games. Benintendi, as we said, don't have any. But all three of them have two walks each, which is nice. So at least they're not hitting much, but they're getting on base. So I think they'll pick it up. But slow start for all of them. Slow start for the outfield, period, with the three of them plus Jackie not getting a hit either. So we'll just ride the Xander Bogarts uh, Express until, until their guys decide they want to show up this season. So... 
it'll be fun. But through three games, good, two and one, great pitching, which is always a good thing. That's what wins you games. As we saw, you almost won all three games without scoring many runs. So I think that's all positive. Uh, let's jump over some MLB headlines. Um, I hate this headline because of what it is, but it's what people are talking about. Giancarlo Stanton had two home runs in his first game with the Yankees on opening day. And, of course, the second he did it, everyone said, Oh, J.D. Martinez has never hit. I'm like, come on. It's one game. I don't know. It really irked me that Stanton decided to do that. And it's like people jump on that so quickly, like, oh, he's going to have he's gonna have 60 home runs. He's going to have 300 home runs. <laughs> Screw right, off, right. right? Come on. Yeah, of course it's frustrating. It's frustrating when any Yankee player hits a home run. Obviously, it's more frustrating with Stanton. But it's such a long season. He could go cold at any minute. J.D. Martinez could heat up at any minute. I mean, what pissed me off the most about the whole Stanton home run was that I was in the midst of writing an article about John Sterling um, talking about <laughs> what his call would be for Stanton's home run. And <laughs> I was literally about to save it as a draft so someone could take a look at it and Stanton hit a home run. So my whole story about, like, what what's the call going to be and, are people because he wouldn't Sterling wouldn't come out and exa- exactly say it. He just kind of said it was an Italian phrase, and he's like, "I'm afraid people won't understand." It. And it was I was really proud of this article, and then Stanton went and ruined it for me. So that's my only beef <laughs> with the whole thing. Where it's like I had to change the whole story and kind of incorporate his home run and Sterling's call to one, but and then his other home run. <laughs> yeah, I didn't include that one. But <laughs> I was just like, and I knew the second he hit it, I was like here we go, so hop on Twitter, and everyone's freaking out. Like, nope, Stanton's going to hit 324 home runs, J.D. Martinez is going to hit seven. Yep. It's like, like you said, it's just like, come on, guys. Like, <laughs> it, in one game, I understand, of co- but of course Stanton's going to go off. That's expected from Stanton. It's not expected from Martinez to, to go off like that. But if people want Martinez to hit 40-plus home runs, there's still plenty of time, I promise you. Yeah, he might. Most guys like to ease into the season, and you know, Stan decided not to do that. So, so we had different reasons to be irked. Yours was because of your article. Mine was because the immediate JD Martinez comparison. I'm like, he said like one at bat. Like, come on, we're one at bat into the season. We're already comparing these guys. Like, come on. I think that's dumb. I don't like people who do that. Like, give it some time. I know we're in the hot take world these days, but you know, when it's one six one 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 sixty second of the season, come on, that's pathetic. Oh, yeah. Moving on to other home runs. Uh, the, White, the White Sox hit six home runs in their opening day game. Matt Davidson had three. Tim Anderson had two. Um, cool for Matt Davidson. That's great. You know, on base for 306, you know, same thing. Same thing as Stanton. But I honestly think it's bad when this happens because, like, all the pressure's on you. Everyone's saying how many home runs you're going to get. Like, watch Matt Davidson hit, like, three home runs the rest of the year. I don't think hitting three in the first two games a good thing necessarily. No, because like you said, it puts so much pressure on you, and it's and of course it's fun to say like, oh, they're on pace for X amount of home runs, X amount of this that. I get it, and I can't remember who it was last year, or the year before, but he was on the Rockies, and he I think he had like two or three home runs in the first game. Oh, Trevor Story. And he, but he hit like was it six games in a row? He had a home run or something. Yeah. And and then he ends up hitting like two forty for the season. It's like right. Right. So it's like, <laughs> I mean. It's so much fun in the beginning when, when this kind of stuff happens because it's fun to make those stories. But then when these players fizzle out, then it's, it's like... It's also meaningless. Yeah. Well, yeah, but then, then then they fizzle out and everyone's like, duh, he sucks. And right. he's only going to hit, you know, 
they could hit, you know, 240 isn't terrible, but, you know, what if they hit, like, 290 at the end of the season? They'd be like, they suck, blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, yeah, because they didn't hit a home run in every single game. Right. They absolutely suck. Because they didn't hit three home runs in every single game. <laughs> right. Matt Davidson hit, like, 225 last year. He had an awful average. So, good for him. A lot of home runs for the White Sox. But I'm not putting too much stock into it unless he actually hits, like, 50 home runs this season. We'll see. Cool moment in the uh, majors of the first first couple days here, I think, really, is um, Ichiro returning to the Mariners for the second time and making a home run saving catch in his third game. The guy's 44 years old. He wants to play till he's 50. Uh, he's definitely a little older looking now. He's got some little gray hairs, but he still looks like he's in good shape. I thought he was done. I didn't realize that he was back in the league again. This is pretty cool. Oh, it was so much fun. I love a feel good story like this, and that catch today, like absolutely unreal and just kind of shows the athleticism he still possesses and just the kind of athlete and baseball player he is obviously he loves being in seattle that's where he's known you know that that's that's his team that's that's home for him and hey, if he wants to play till he's 50 he's gonna play till he's 50 he's almost there so he might as well just keep going right it's it's a pretty cool story he's been in the league for 17 years you know he played in japan He's already one of the best hitters of all time, and he's just going to keep adding to that as he plays more. So maybe that's what he wants to do. Just play forever and be the best hitter ever. So good for Ichiro. And our other uh, MLB headline for this week, a uh, couple of really good pitching performances. Johnny Cueto, your guy, took a he took a perfect game into the seventh inning uh, of his game last night, and that got broken up. Um, his team won one nothing. Um, and then Kyle Gibson of the Twins had six no-hit innings today, got taken out, so they had a combined no-hitter into the into the eighth inning, but that went astray, and they didn't end up getting it. But two really good performances, uh, especially from Cueto. Yeah, that was that was so much fun to see, because obviously, I'm a, I love Cueto, that's no secret, and to see him get the start, and I was like, yes, I can't wait to see how he does, and getting the alerts like he has a perfect game i was like whoa wait a second like my my cueto like the johnny cueto <laughs> has a no a perfect game and he's on my so, fantasy team my my real fantasy team not my draft fantasy of, team <laughs> he's on one of mine as well so that, that was <laughs> kind of cool and it's you know it's fun because he wasn't he didn't have the best year last year and mm. he's got you know people the shoulder issues this issue that issue so and even for the twins like I feel like nobody really pays attention to the Twins unless they're doing something, like, really bad or something like this happens. So, really cool to kind of start the season off like this and kind of I, – I think there's going to be – one of my bold predictions I wanted to be for, for this season was there's going to be, like, six no-hitters this year, <laughs> but, which, is, which is obviously a lot. But, I mean, if it keeps going like this, you that could know. very well happen. Yeah, we've almost had a couple already. Yeah, I think these first couple of games has been a lot of uh, a lot of home runs and really good pitching. Not necessarily in the same game, but overall. So, and Joe Panic, yeah. Joe Panic on the Giants. He hit a go-ahead home run twice in their first two games. Both games one nothing wins over the Dodgers. That was pretty cool. He's a tiny. He's like five eight. He's hitting here, sitting here, hitting huge home runs off some of the best pitchers. That was pretty cool. I mean, the Giants are making news here. It's an even year. <laughs> they're going to be great this year. But it's fun to see someone like Joe Panic do something like that. Like, say he's little. Like he, and with being little, people kind of doubt you, and you don't have that kind of power that somebody like Aaron Judge or JD Martinez has because they don't have that size to them. So it's just kind of cool to see. And 
I have a soft spot for the Giants. I always will. So just to see that happen and just kind of round out like a really fun first few days of baseball is just even better. Indeed. All right, before we get out of here, uh, let's go back to what we did last year uh, with a little week prediction here. Um, obviously, the last game of the Tampa Bay series hasn't been played as a record date, um, but we'll go ahead and start with the two in Miami and then three more against the Rays next week. Um, in the Miami series, I'm going, I'm going split, too, because two game series are weird, and... You know, I, I think that Miami's played decent so far. They've played some good games. They went to 17 innings against the Cubs last night. So they've been playing some decent ball. I think with uh, Johnson and Sale being your pitchers, I think one and one's fair. Although I certainly wouldn't be surprised with the sweep at all. What do you got in the Miami series? Uh, I hate two-game series, too. They are definitely a little weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they're going to take both of them. And, you know, Miami's rebuilding. We obviously know they kind of just got rid of everybody whether it was trade or whatever it was but I think you know they're Miami's kind of finding themselves and I think the Red Sox are just they're going to build off this Tampa Bay series regardless of what happens in Sunday's game but I'm really seeing taking taking both games from them all right fair enough and then three against Tampa Bay again a whole lot of uh, Florida here in the first all of Florida not all of Australia for Aaron Baines, but we're going all of Florida here to start the season. <laughs> or Craig Kimbrell last night, as you said, all of America. So all of America. We're getting all of everything. Great beers for Kimbrell. Um, Tampa Bay, I think that the Sox are, and obviously listeners will know the result before uh, before they hear this on Monday. I think the Sox are going to lose on Sunday, take two out of two from the Rays. Which, in turn, I think, after they split with Miami, they're going to go home for the home opener and sweep the Rays after taking two out of four from this series. So I've got a four-in-one week, one-in-one against the Dolphins, (laughs) Marlins, Marlins, and sweep over Tampa Bay. What do you have in this second Tampa Bay series? I think they're going to win on Sunday. Uh, I'll just get that out of the way. And then for the home series, I think they're going to win two out of three. Um, And how dare you go against my guy, Brian Johnson. So, oh no, yeah, he's the fourth starter. So how dare you go against him? But I think um, well, no, Velasquez is the fourth starter to start. Oh, he's pitching. Yeah. He's pitching Sunday. Johnson on Monday. Oh well, well, I still, I still think they're gonna win Sunday. But, <laughs> but uh, and Monday. And Monday, yeah. Well, I think they're gonna win both games for Miami. Exactly. The Dolphins, as you would the say. Dolphins, yeah. <laughs> Dolphins versus um, the, the Boston I, Patriots. I think two out of three. I want to say sweep. The optimist in me wants to say sweep, but. Um, Can't win every year. You know, coming home is going to be good for them. They're going to have that, you know, the home field and just the fans behind them. I think it's going to be fun. But there's always that one game against Tampa where you're like, why didn't we win that? And we had that on opening day when yeah. they were in Tampa. So yeah. it's going to be like deja vu. All right. So 4 and 1 for both of us. Uh, after after this first two series, it's 10 straight games 3 against Tampa Bay, 3 against New York, 4 against Baltimore. So a little, little home stand after a six game road trip. So, um, that's it for the first three games here. Um, don't forget to head over to draft, draft.com and do your live draft and uh, win $10 like I did or more. If you want to put in a bigger entry, you win more money. So go do that. Draft.com. Really happy to be uh, sponsored by them. I highly recommend it, especially after doing it myself. Uh, make sure you follow the show 
and uh, and the station at CLNS Media at Red Sox CLNS. Uh, you can even follow us if you want. Uh, I'm at CLNS underscore Jess saying Lauren is at La 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 La. Nope, three. La La La. And then four R's in the Lauren. So you all follow her anyway. She has a lot of followers. So you should follow me because I don't. So check that out. And we'll be live tweeting uh, all the games from our, our Twitter handle, which both of us are also going to be doing. Uh, so check that out. Check out the roundtables, the news feed. we got a lot of good stuff going on here. So all of our Red Sox coverage here on CLNS Media. This is Red Sox Beat. She's Lauren Campbell. I'm Jess Thomas. We'll be back next week, presumably with uh, Jared Scally man himself so hope you had fun this weekend happy easter everyone and have a good night